Hello, and welcome to Notes on the Week Ahead, a JP Morgan Asset Management podcast that gives you insights on the markets and economy to help you stay informed for the week ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at JP Morgan Funds. Today is December 13th, 2021. When our children were very young and they committed some transgression, we had a rule in our house. It wasn't enough to say sorry. You had to say what you were sorry for. That way we had some hope that they wouldn't make the same mistake again. This week the Federal Reserve will likely signal a more hawkish tilt, announcing an acceleration in the tapering of bond purchases and projecting a new higher path for short-term interest rates. Unfortunately, they will likely justify this purely as a reaction to current stronger readings on inflation in a tighter labor market, rather than acknowledging the economic damage caused by years of inappropriately negative real interest rates. Moreover, even the monetary tightening they project will likely imply negative real short-term interest rates for years to come. The truth is today's high inflation is not primarily caused by an easy Fed policy, and much, although it's important to emphasize not all, of this inflation should fade in the year ahead as the pace of economic growth slows. If it does so, the Fed may well abandon its attempts to raise real interest rates. This would be unfortunate because the really pernicious effects of years of super low interest rates have been on asset prices rather than consumer inflation, where federal Fed policy has promoted dangerous asset bubbles, worsened economic inequality, and enabled a massive misallocation of resources. Fed Chairman Jay Powell gave a pretty broad hint that the Federal Reserve would tighten policy at a Senate hearing on November 30th, when he volunteered that the Fed would discuss accelerated tapering at the December meeting. In doing so, he cited strong economic growth, a rapid improvement in labor markets, and high inflationary pressures. This rationale should be supported by the Fed's new summary of economic projections, which will be released at 2 p.m. on Wednesday, at the same time as the FOMC statement. In particular, relative to their September projections, we expect the Fed to cut their fourth quarter 2021 estimate of the unemployment rate from 4.8% to roughly 4.3%, and raise their estimate of year-over-year headline PCE inflation from 4.2% to roughly 5.4%. These stronger projections should, in turn, lead the Fed to announce a faster pace of tapering, potentially reducing bond purchases by $30 billion per month, rather than the current $15 billion per month starting immediately. This would take purchases down from a current pace of $105 billion per month to $75 billion between now and mid-January, $45 billion between mid-January and mid-February, and $15 billion between mid-February and mid-March, at which point bond purchases would cease. The summary of economic projections could also show a faster and steeper path for federal fund funds rate hikes than previously projected. In September, the median projection of the 18 FOMC participants included one rate hike in 2022 and two further hikes in 2023, this week's projections could show as many as three hikes in 2022 and four hikes in 2023. Even if the Fed's announcements and projections do portray a more hawkish stance over the next few years, investors would do well to treat this information with a degree of skepticism. First, even if the Fed were to raise the federal funds rate starting in June of 2022 and raise it by 0.25% in each subsequent quarter, it would still be between 1.75% and 2% at the end of 2023, well below its 2.25% to 2.50% peak reached in late 2018, and importantly, likely still below core inflation. Moreover, a year from now, while labor markets will likely still be tight, inflation pressures should be easing due to lower oil prices and relaxation of supply constraints. U.S. economic growth will also likely be slowing down as federal fiscal aid dwindles and the impact of accumulated savings and pent-up demand begins to wane. 
At that point, the Federal Reserve may see less urgency in tightening policy, particularly if we see a sharp financial market correction or some shock that threatens the expansion. Fed members have displayed their dovish feathers for too long at this stage for us to mistake them for a flock of hawks. However, failing to return monetary policy to a neutral stance would be a mistake. While years of low or negative real interest rates since the great financial crisis did little to stimulate stronger aggregate demand, they had a powerful impact on boosting asset prices. This has continued during the pandemic recession, with the S&P 500 now up 46% since the end of 2019, and average existing home prices up 21% since October 2019. Assuming financial markets are roughly flat between now and the end of the year, we estimate that the total assets of American households will have grown by $35 trillion, or 26%, over the course of 2020 and 2021. While many will celebrate this increase in wealth, there are a few concerning issues. The first is that this has continued to boost the value of assets relative to GDP. From the 1950s to the mid-1980s, the total value of all US assets averaged roughly 3.9 times GDP. Since then, it has risen and then soared and could end this year at 7.7 .7 times GDP. One problem with this is that assets, from the perspective of their owners, represent an entitlement to buy goods and services produced by a country. If and when the owners of these assets decide to cash in their chips, or if the government redistributes this wealth to people who will spend it, asset prices could fall sharply, potentially pushing the economy into recession. Second, the surge in asset prices relative to GDP is worsening inequality. While the richest 10% of US households earn roughly 50% of the pre-tax income in the country, they are owners of roughly 70% of its wealth. Soaring stock markets and home prices have thus benefited the rich far more than the poor. Indeed, to the extent that a soaring stock market allows the children of the rich to come up with much bigger down payments on houses than those of more modest means, it is contributing to locking in inequality going forward. Finally, negative real interest rates are funding a misallocation of resources across the economy. It would be nice to believe that super low interest rates were promoting a surge in productivity-enhancing capital spending, in reality, the percentage of GDP devoted to business-fixed investment is just over 13% and has remained remarkably stable in recent years. What we have seen is a widening dispersion in valuations across and within asset classes, with some of the biggest winners being assets with the lowest associated income streams. Some high PE mega-cap mega growth stocks, meme stocks and cryptocurrencies can all thrive in an environment where the carrying cost of financial bets is negative in real terms. Of course, this does have a long-term cost, since pumping resources into bad ideas deprives good ideas of funding. And this is perhaps the most important reason why the Fed needs to normalize monetary policy and push both short-term and long-term real rates into positive territory. In a world of modestly positive real rates, it will still be possible to fund companies and ideas which promise healthy future cash flows. More than that, by closing off the diversion of resources to unprofitable and potentially much more volatile assets, such a policy should enhance long-term economic growth while reducing the risk of recessions triggered by asset bubbles bursting. For investors, genuinely hawkish pronouncements on Wednesday could trigger a sell-off in both the stock and bond markets and a rotation from growth to value within the stock market. However, all of this may just be partial or short-lived if markets, for good reason, doubt the Fed's determination to follow through. The key question is whether the Fed will recognize and admit the damage wrought on the economy by holding real interest rates at unnaturally negative levels and commit to forsake this policy going forward. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week, and if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. The this content has been produced for information purposes only, and as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto.
Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.